Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Hallelujah. God is good all the time. Amen. Can we rise up? I just want us to pray. Uh, I'd like to read a Bible verse. I was reading this in the course of the week. I just felt the Lord wants me to really share it and so that we pray together. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Is that the uh, New King James Version? All right. Is that a New King James Version? All right. Okay. Can we all read it together? Now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I don't know what area of your life you're experiencing defeat, failure, and you just feel like, you know, you're not up to par. I believe the Lord just want me to say, the Lord leads us in triumph. He said, in Christ Jesus, he leads us to triumph. All right, if you just follow him, the ultimate destination is what? Triumph in Christ. And he says, through us, he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. So people know God through what you are going through. I, I don't... I don't know if you understand. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, what you are going through, we end up in people knowing God the more. So when God is done with you, people will praise God on your behalf. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we just lift up our hands and just say, Father, we thank you. Because in you, We are assured of triumph. Thanks be to God. Who always, not sometimes, not in some cases, leads us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Another version says he leads us in triumphant procession in Christ Jesus. And Lord, through our testimonies, through the testimonies of our triumph, of our victory, of our breakthrough, you will diffuse or release the sweet aroma of your knowledge to the world. The world is about to praise God on your behalf in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we put our hands together and give him praise? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's have our seats. We're going to continue our message series on balance today, and I'm really, really excited about today's message because I believe, you know, this is a word from the Lord, and the Lord will use this to bring a lot of people into a place that he wants them to be in Jesus' name. Today, we're going to take a look at the balance between freedom and reverence. 
or you can say liberty and reverence. Those two words are very, very fundamental, but we're going we're gonna to try to deal with them today. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will help us in the precious name of Jesus. Father, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh has no profit, has no benefit. So I banish flesh today as I bring this word. And I ask that your spirit will be released. I pray that my words will not just be with eloquence of human wisdom, but it will be delivered with the power and of the spirit of God. So that our faith will not rest on eloquence of man, but will rest on the power of God. Thank you because you have answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. We're going to start by reading uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. And I would like all of us to read it together. It's a very, very powerful verse. And it's a very, very assertive, very active verse of the scripture. Can we read it together? Let's read it at, like, like we mean it today. Let's go. One, two. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's, it's really, really trying to tell them something very serious. You can tell from the choice of those words that Christ set, off, set us free for freedom. He didn't set us free for anything. He set you free so you can be free. And it sounds like he's repeating the same thing, like very, very redundant. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Because sometimes people don't know. Christ set you free so you can be free. And he said, you have to stand firm. Don't let yourself. And I, you know, he's, he's not even talking about other people now, right? Don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is very, very important. Now, the kind of freedom he's talking about here is not just freedom from the devil. You see, when we talk about freedom, liberty, we're talking about it from the enemy. Uh, when the Bible uses freedom, it can mean freedom from entanglement, freedom from the devil. But also, it is fundamentally freedom with God. And that's really what I want to talk about today. It is freedom with God. Because the whole essence of our salvation is really to be free with God. The Bible says God made peace. He, he, he made us to have peace with God. That's what Jesus did. All right? Romans 5.1 says we have been made right. With, I want us to read it together. Romans 5.1. Let's read it. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So, Jesus came to reconcile us with God, to make sure we have peace with God, to make sure that we have free access to God. That is very, very different when you contrast it with what happened before that uh, under the law, 
which was primarily, it wasn't a relationship-based arrangement. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, under the law, the relationship was transactional before Jesus came. The relationship people had with God was, at least an individual person, was majorly transactional. So it's based on transaction. It is based on do's, don'ts. It is based on actions. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. So before then, it wasn't a relationship per se. It was more transactions. Obedience before then was largely driven by fear of consequences, right? If you do this, it will be okay. If you don't do this, this will, be, this will happen. You'll be punished this way. If you come late, you get this. You have to sacrifice. If you, if you do this, you have to go do this. You have to be locked out, you know, of the temple or something like that. So obedience then was largely driven by fear of consequence. So people operated on what the scriptures call the spirit of slavery or yoke of slavery or bondage. That was the kind of relationship people had with God until Jesus came into the scene. Praise the name of Jesus. So Jesus came and brought the message of grace. Hallelujah. Now, under grace, the relationship is relational. It is based on intimacy with God, right? It is really a relationship. It is not transactional. It is relational. Praise the name of Jesus. Obedience under grace is driven by intimacy, driven by love, right? It's, not, it's no longer driven by fear. It is now driven by our love and appreciation of him. So the more we know him, the more we can obey. For that is why we actually can do more. Praise the name of Jesus. Jesus once scolded the, the disciples. He said, unless your righteousness is more than that of the Pharisees, you're not even in the kingdom. Pharisees' righteousness was largely transactional based. Right? I do this, I do this, and I feel better. Now, our obedience is not driven by that. It is driven by love and intimacy with God, then we obey him. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, that is the dispensation of sonship, right? We are operating now under the spirit of sonship. And sonship is defined by freedom. Slaves are not free. Sons are free. Praise the name of Jesus. As sons and daughters, we are driven by our love for God. I love 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love. In fact, let's read it together. Let's read it together. One, two, go. There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
So there's no fear in love. So we are not driven by fear. Right? We are driven by love. And that is why it is possible for us to be perfect. It is possible for us to exceed legalistic righteousness because we are driven by love. When you are not driven, when you are driven by fear, he says, you cannot be made perfect in love. God is not looking for a relationship that is fear-based, fear-driven. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's why the New Testament prayer, one of the New Testament prayer, Ephesians chapter 3, which we've talked about, we pray about all the time. Uh, Ephesians 3 from verse 17 says, look at the prayer that the apostle is praying for the church in Ephesus. He said, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, Man, this is very, very important that you have your roots, your support, right? You are established in love. Verse 18, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. You know what it means to grasp, to even be able to understand, to grasp, <coughs> to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And I like the way he ended it. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Right? The only way to really be filled with the measure of the fullness of God is to know his love. How deep how high, how wide, how long is his love. Praise the name of Jesus. So intimacy is really a driving factor under our New Testament covenant. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, when I read the scripture, I realize that even under the old covenant, God has always wanted intimacy is people who rejected intimacy. And I'll take us to Exodus chapter 20. We'll read a few verses there. This is when God, this, this account I'm about to read is when, uh, it's Exodus 20, that, that's when God gave the commandment to Moses. And he said, come to the mountain. Uh, you know, I want to give you the commandment. But he said, you know what? But I also want to speak to the people. I, I want them, I don't want the relationship to be purely transactional. Right? I want them to really hear me, hear from me, know that I really speak and I can talk to people. And so that they walk away with an impression of me. They know who I am. And those commandments will make sense. So from verse 18, when the people saw the thunder, now God said, come, come, to, the, come, come to the mountain. All right? I will be on the mountain. Now, they got to the, as they approached the mountain, they saw thunder and lightning, and heard the trumpet, and saw the mountain in smoke. They Look at their reaction. They trembled with fear. Their reaction was what? Fear. And what did they do? They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us. Or we will die. Isn't that sad? I mean, this is the same God 
that took them out of Egypt. I mean, if God really wanted them to die, he would just leave them in Egypt. God did everything, rescued them, right? This is after they passed through Red Sea. This is after he fell them with manna. This is after he did all that. Their reaction was a, such a negative fear, right? That makes them believe that if God speaks to us, oh, we're going to die. So Moses, I think you're different. You go to God, let him speak to you. We are actually going to listen to you, we promise. Right? And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you. So that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remain at a distance. While Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So Moses went and eventually Moses came back to the Ten Commandments. That's why the scripture says God made his ways known unto Moses and his deeds unto the children of Israel. That's why even the law, it was difficult. There was a, and I believe the reason why this happened is there was still spirit of slavery operating in their mind. Don't forget Moses. God had to use Moses that had no slavery mentality. You know, Moses was raised in the, in the palace. So he's used to majesty. He's used to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, you know, I eat breakfast with Pharaoh. But when Israel had Pharaoh, they ran, right? Moses, it was easy. And that's why Moses could go before him and say, let my people go. They were still not fully free from that spirit. That's why when Galatians 5 says, you are free now. Right? You're free now. You're, you can really go before God. Don't be burdened again by yoke of slavery. Slavery hinders you. Slavery prevents intimacy. Praise the name of Jesus. So I, I, I'm starting this way for you to know the fundamental of salvation is freedom, liberty with God, freedom that allows us to have access to him, to express ourselves to him. God wants us to view him primarily, you know, through the lens of love and understanding the fact that he wants intimacy with us. Unfortunately, many people, they act like children of Israel today, right? They want to keep a distance. In fact, they prefer other people to talk to God on their behalf, right? They just, oh, I can't talk to God. God can't speak to me. God can't lead me. God can't direct me. Oh, I have to go to somebody. That's why people will send pictures of two women to somebody. They say, who is my wife? Can you pray? Born again believers. And we will do things like that. Why? Because God can't speak to them, right? God can't. They don't believe that. They believe that God, you know, if, but if somebody tells them, they take it. So it is very, very, it's a serious problem. Even our prayer life must be guided by this principle. Much of the way, I mean, you know, the Lord began to really work on me on this because I realized that most of us grew up with that yoke of slavery. 
mindset. Most of our parents, that's how we were with them. Fair. Anytime we, when I was growing up, you hear your dad, you run. That's, that's I mean, as as a young kid, you hear that is honk. It doesn't matter what you do, whether wrong, right, you run first. <laughs> that's the mindset. That's and and I didn't know how much effect this had on my relationship with God. As I after a while I realized that this affected, there was nothing personal with God. It became transactional. Even prayer was largely impersonal. God began to teach me prayer as a conversation. All right? Conversational prayer. When I pray personally, I am not yelling, screaming, and creaking. Because it's conversation. When I go to God to confess my sin, I have a conversation. I'm honest. Father, the way I thought about so, 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 and so was not right. And I'm sorry. That's, that's how you talk. Not, not just, Lord, just forgive us in Jesus' name. Very impersonal. And many of us, our relationship with God is largely impersonal. We are not free. We are afraid. We are not, we don't understand that he wants an intimate relationship with us. So that is important for us to know. So I'm laying that foundation to go to my next point, which is to talk about reverence. Now, on the other hand, God wants to be reverenced, right? And that's why these are two things we're trying to balance today. We're trying to balance understanding our freedom, but also understanding God as a God that must be reverenced. Reverence means deep respect for someone. High esteem. To hold someone in high esteem, high regard, and great respect. Now, because we are human, don't forget, we have a tendency to be, to be imbalanced. We have a tendency to not be balanced, to go out of balance, to go into extreme. We have a tendency to say, okay, I am free with God. And take it overboard by disrespecting God. Now, so God wants us to understand you're free, but he wants us to understand you, he must be reverenced. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read a few verses there. It's a long passage, but I'm going to read you from verse 18. I only put 28 up there, you know, for those of people, for, for these uh, sound booth people. But I'm going to try and read a few verses to see that this is, the same experience described in Exodus 20, now being described in Hebrews from a different lens. He said, you have come to a mountain that can be touched. And that is burning with fire. Sorry, you have not come to a mountain, mountain that can be touched. That is burning with fire, to darkness, to gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking that those who had it begged that no further words be spoken to them. He said, that's not the, so the experience is different now. He said, in the new covenant, you have not come to that mountain. It's not a physical mountain. It's not blasting. It's not smoke. It's not 
all this. Right? Verse 22, he said, but you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's what we have come to. Right? You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in a joyful assembly. So it's a different atmosphere, right? It's no longer smoke, trumpet, scary stuff. No wonder they ran away, right? It is now a different experience that God is introducing us to. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of the righteous, made perfect. Verse 24, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, it's switch in verse 25. I want you to notice. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him, who won them on earth? How much less will we, if we turn away from him, who wants us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, the voice of the Lord, right? Now he has promised, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken remain. Verse 28 is where I'm going. Therefore, in fact, I want all of us to read verse 28 together. Let's go. One, two. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So he tried to balance it for us, right? Say, look, it's different now. It's no longer scary. It's no longer fire. It's no longer if you touch him, you die. It's no longer that. It is wonderful assembly. Thousands of angels at our command rejoicing in God's presence. But I don't want you to think because of that, God is now so lax, right, that anything goes. You can be unruly. You can treat him anyhow because God is still a consuming fire. Now, what is our response? Our response is to be what? Thankful and to Worship God acceptably in what? Reverence. And in awe. Not in a negative fear that makes us to run away, right? But with such an, an attitude of reverence. And awe because God is a consuming fire. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declare, declare, I promise the members of your family will minister before me forever. But the Lord declare, this is God talking to Samuel, far be it from me, those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. So God still cares about reverence, honor. In fact, uh, the commandment to honor father and mother still stands. Ephesians chapter 6. And Father, I want all of us to read it together. Ephesians 6, verse 2 and 3. Can we read it? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment 
with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Young people, be very, very careful. Honor. You know, sometimes you might wonder why it's not well with some people. Look at it. It's the first commandment. Now, I know we live in an age where, oh, no, we're free with this. We can do whatever we like. We can talk. We can say, I can do, you know. Look, just don't forget to honor. Honor your father and mother. Does it mean always obey? No. But always honor. Honor is very important. Never disrespect. Never speak anyhow because God still cares about the value of reverence and honor, even in an atmosphere of freedom that we are. He said it is the first commandment with a promise, and that promise still stands. Praise the name of Jesus. So that it may go well with you. It will go well with you in Jesus' name. And he says, so that you may enjoy long life. See, honoring parents ensures long life. All right? Even if you think they've not been the best, they've not done what he was supposed to do, that does not remove the fact of honor because you are doing yourself a big favor. Praise the name of Jesus. Malachi chapter 3, God told them, if I'm your father, where is my honor? How much more our father in heaven deserves to be honored? So it's very important for us to understand that even in the dispensation of freedom and liberty, reverence is very, very important to God. So I'm going to really try and wrap it up. So at least summarize the whole lessons of what I'm talking about. God does not want our primary feelings towards him to be fair. Right? But what? Love and freedom. He wants, when we think about him, he wants us to, he wants affection. That's what he wants to be in our mind. Even as a parent, as parents, that's really, that should be important to you. I know this guides me a lot as a father. I don't want my children to think about me and they are fearful. The last time you really had a conversation is when they did something wrong and you scolded them. That's, there's something wrong there. And that affects kids. Affect them. Affects your ability to actually influence them. And to make a very a meaningful contribution to their life. So it's very important as those of us raising children, you know, we want to go above and beyond to demonstrate love, affection, and creating an atmosphere of freedom. All right? Freedom. Where there is freedom. We are free, free to come to you. It's not all the time you are yelling. You are the lion of the tribe of the house. You know, <laughs> our forefathers, our fathers, they, they didn't know better, right? That's how they, they rule with iron fist, right? Because they thought 
spare the rod and spoil the child. And they, they just did all that and ended up hurting a lot of kids. So, but we have to do a lot better. We have to really, really make sure when they think about their parents, they, are, they think of admiration, they, they, they think of love, they, and they, they are free. And, but they understand, they also understand there's boundary. But I tell people really, the best way to really create a freedom atmosphere is to have as less rules as possible, but create boundary. You see, when there is boundary, people are free in, within the boundary, right? When, we, when you try to create rule for every single thing, people don't even know. I mean, they, they are so messed up, they don't even know when they are doing what is wrong or right, right? Because if they do it this way, it's too much. Oh, you jump, is too high. Oh, you didn't jump high enough. You know, if you try to do that, you're really, really going to create problems for your, for your children when they grow up, even in their relationship with God. James 2.19 tells us, even demons believe God, but they tremble. And that's, so we should not be like demons. Who, they believe God, they tremble. You know, they, 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 their belief is not driving them to God. It's driving them away from God. And that's why I want, I, we read Psalm 103 today because I think it captures God, how God wants us to view him. It captures it, and it's, it's probably my favorite psalm uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the Psalms. I love it so much. I quote it a lot. I use it, you know, when I'm worshiping God. He said, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. So it's not as quick to anger as we think. That is what he's trying to say. He will not always strive with us. That's a wonderful father, right? He's not living in contention with you. Some of us, you think God is angry with you. You think God is permanently angry with you. In fact, your first thing before God is, Lord, I know I've not been a bad, I've been bad, I've been terrible, I've been, you know, before you even say anything, that's what you have said. And God is like, I, I didn't even say you are bad. What are you talking about? No. So he said, he, he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Isn't that wonderful? That even when he's angry, he does not keep it forever. He is not angry perpetually. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. That's, that's not God. He's bigger than our sins. He's bigger than our iniquities. If he wants to deal with all of us, we will not even be here today. Right? It won't be. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. I want you to notice the word fear him. But here he's talking about reverential fear. It's not a negative fear now, right? As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgression from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our faith. That's my favorite. He remembers that we are dust. 
Turn to your neighbor. God knows you are not all that. So stop, stop pretending to. You know, so, some of us even pretend to God. I mean, we really, really want to impress God. I mean, we go before God. We really, really want to show him we are so perfect. We are so good. Even the way we construct our prayer is so rehearsed. Even when we have done something terrible, we say, oh, I just, I just made a mistake, you know. I just, you know, instead of you to really be honest with God, stop presenting yourself to God like you are more than who you are. He knows already. He knows we are weak. He remembers. Didn't I make them out of dust? So what? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that shocks him. And I think that is how God wants us to view. Now, seeing that, then respond to him in reverence. Now, I have a few minutes, and I'm hoping I will have a few minutes to be able to talk about the, I call it the parable of two extremes, or two extremists. It's, it's, it's called the parable of the prodigal son. You know, I see, I realize that sometimes when the Lord really wants to show us two extremes, to really let us know that there is a balance. You know, there was a day I was reading this, and I just it just all of a sudden occurred to me, wait a minute, there is a third son here that is being alluded to that God wants us to be like. Because obviously he doesn't want to be like the younger son, right? For those of us who know the parable of the prodigal son, he doesn't want to be like the prodigal son. And he doesn't want to be like the older brother either, right? Implied in that is that is there is a son that he wants us to be like. It is a balance of two. Now, the father has two sons in the parable, according to Luke chapter 15, from verse 11 through 32. So the younger son is free. He knows. I assume he, he knows the father enough. He's intimate. He's talked to the father. He's had conversations. He knows that he can actually get something from the father. So, in verse 12, the younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. Let me enjoy. So, the father divided his property between them and gave it to the boy. And everything was fine for a while. Because the Bible said, not long after that. So, it means, you know, things were fine. The guy was enjoying, the guy was having fun, was really, everything was fine. He just got together, all he had, and set off. And that's the problem. He set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So started living wild. So he wanted, he, he took the freedom too far, right? started living wild. Some people live wild like that. And they are born again. They are, you know, even tongue-talking. They are just, they've been in church for a while. And that happens. They listen to some people. They, they, they rationalize. They say, you know, I can do whatever. I can live wild. We can do whatever we like. We're under. You know, we're free now. There is, you know, God is not angry at me. You know, my father loves me. He cares for me. So I can just do whatever I want. And he got himself in trouble. 
he forgot that what sustains the goodies is the intimacy with the Father. No matter what you have, no matter what you have achieved, what sustains it is intimacy with the Father, relationship. So he abandoned that and went. For those of us who have read the story, we know that he lost everything. Squandered everything, lost everything. His, his life turned so badly. He tried many, many years to rescue himself, to figure out things himself. He couldn't come back to the Father. He was ashamed. He was afraid. You know, he was ashamed, basically. And he thought, you know what, let me just try to fix it. He tried to fix it. He tried this. He tried this. Hung out with some guys. Hung out with this. Every attempt failed. Eventually, he figured, you know what? Even in my father's house, I know there were servants there. I mean, they're not doing that badly. I mean, they don't have intimacy. They don't have much, but they had food. So let me go back and see and apply if he can just allow me to be one of the servants, I think I'll be better off. So he came home. The father was looking for him all over. The father wasn't happy. The father wanted him back. To his surprise, the father was really, really happy he came back. You know, the father went out. He heard his coming. He ran towards him, hugged him, brought him back, put a ring on his finger, put a, put a robe on him, and say, let's party. Now, he has a brother who was, who was at home. So the brother actually was out. He wasn't in when all this was going on. He went out. Now, he came back and he's like, what, what, what am I hearing? There's loud music. There's whatever. What's, what's going on? And the, the servant said, wow, your brother is back. And that's why there's party. And he's like, what? Party for the guy that came back? That something is not right here. He became furious. In fact, he refused to go in. He said, I'm not going to enter. Then they went to the father. They told him, your son is outside. And let's, let's just read it. The older brother, verse 28, became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. The father begged him, come. But he answered to his father, look, all these years, I have been slaving you. So even though he was a son, he had, to, he had a mentality of a slave. He had been slaving. Did you see that? I've been slaving you. For you. Never disobey your order. So everything was transaction. I make sure I check every box. Never disobey your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. What a very messed up view he had of the father. And the father responded and said, my son, you are not slaving. First of all, you are not a slave. So he called him son. First of all, you are not a slave. You are a son. You are always with me. Everything I have is yours. You could have taken one of the goats and just enjoyed. I mean, who, who stopped you from that? 
But you know what? We'll talk about this later. Let's just celebrate first and be glad because this brother of yours who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. So that's another extreme, right? He had fear. He was respectful. He was doing what he was supposed to do. But he did not understand the freedom and the liberty of being a son. He understood, he saw everything from a slavery mindset. He didn't understand that he could ask the father. So he never even asked. He never even asked. He never even had a conversation. So it shows that this guy has been working, but never had an intimate conversation with the father. Never even asked about what went down between you and my brother. Right? Never even, it never occurred to him. As far as to be happy in this house, so it's just to just do what I'm supposed to do and check the box and slave and just hope everything will be better. And that's the other extreme. And you see that those two extremes will not take you anywhere. It will hurt you either way. So there is, what is there? There is a third son. And I believe that son was demonstrated with us through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's what the Lord wants us to be. Free and at peace with God. And I want to let you know, if you are a born again child of God, you can be at peace with God. You are free. You're free to carry out a conversation. All right? You're free to carry out a conversation. You're free to express your intimate feelings to God. The reason why we really don't get help, we pretend even to God. We pretend about our problems, our issues, our inmost feelings. We even pre pre pretend and we don't express it honestly, genuinely to God. The reason why we don't get help, we don't honestly ask for help from God. The reason why we are confused, we don't honestly ask him for direction. Then we pretend we throw a few prayers, we do gymnastics, we, you know, we jump up, we shout, we wail, but we are not conversing with God. Especially those of us in the Pentecostal settings, sometimes we can be so loud and we are not carrying out conversation. And people say, ah, oh, we have been praying all day. We are tired, worn out. I've been fasting. Oh, man, 100 days. The devil is going to see. You know, all these gymnastics. No conversation with God. No genuine conversation with God. It is it's funny, but it is sad. That is exactly why Jesus died. If you look at it. The whole reason why Jesus died is for you to have an intimate relationship with God. And that is completely missing Why we are doing gymnastics. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Jesus' obedience was based on intimacy. The most obedient person was based on intimacy. God wants us to Aspire intimacy with him. Intimacy will drive obedience. 
Because a lot of our obedience, sometimes we are obeying God and we are almost complaining about obedience. All right? We are complaining about, we are obeying God we, because we are not intimate with him. We are like that older brother. Oh, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. With what attitude? With what heart? Is it to check boxes? That's why you are angry. That's why you are angry that you are not blessed. That's why you are angry at other people. That's why you are angry at your life. That's why you are angry. No intimacy. Obedience must be driven by intimacy with God. We also knew that Jesus did not take God for granted. Right? So, did not misuse his liberty. Understood liberty, freedom. And as taught sons, we must worship God with reverence and awe. I think we, we, there are practical things to learn in our, as, as Christians, especially. That God wants to be reverenced. And I think I've always said this. Even in our attitude, especially, see, I see a few months ago, please just let me indulge me to say a few things. A few months ago, the Lord opened my eyes to just, I think I was meditating on public worship versus private worship. And the Lord said, you know, when it comes to private, I care more about freedom, right? When it comes to private conversation, private prayer, you know, when you're talking with God, I want, I care, I want you to be free. I want you to pray in such a way that you're expressing your heart, your innermost being. Now, when it comes up to public worship, I care a lot more about orderliness because that glorifies me. And that's why you see that in public worship, there's always an emphasis on orderliness. That's why heaven is very, very orderly, Right? Have you read those? Very orderly. There's, there's method to the worship, the angels bowing down, the 24 elders. is so methodical. Even in the New Testament, when people started to really mess around, Apostle Paul wrote to them in 1 Corinthians, right? Just because you have the Holy Spirit, you have gift of the Spirit, doesn't mean you act crazy, right? Just go, don't go and act crazy and you are interrupting each other. I want orderliness. So these are applicable that we know, need to know that this, especially when we gather, reverence is very important. How irreverent it is that we come to God's presence and we're on Facebook. How does that honor God? Well, some of you are watching football on the side. Or, you know, soccer or football or you're on your phone in God's presence where he's here. I mean, you're doing all that. I mean, you're chatting that you're asking you're you're going going to pick up calls that has nothing to do with the service like you are the like you are the president like that call is actually going to save a life it's not going to save any life many of you you come to god's presence when you like and you are just strolling in can you do that when you have a job interview some people have lost their job just going late to work. And we try to justify that because, oh, yeah, there's freedom, there's liberty. We're not in the Old Testament anymore. No, no, no. Our freedom and liberty should make us to do more.
praise the name of Jesus. She'll be used to worship God reverently, right? To be in awe of him. I mean, these are practical things. There's a lot more about how we live our life, the, how we view him, even how we give to him, the heart with which we give. Honor the Lord with your substance. He didn't say give the Lord. We use it to honor, to ascribe how awesome. You know, I, I share it all the time. Like that. There's, a, there's a way you give to a homeless person. You can give $100 to a homeless person. You know, you squeeze it and throw it, right? Generally. You don't put it in an envelope and present it. If you go to your father, you squeeze $100 and give it. It's still $100, but one is given with honor, right? One is given with dishonor. Even the way we do those things, God pays attention to them. So, I'm concluding by letting us know you are free with God. You are not, no more bondage. All right? You're free to carry out a meaningful relationship. That's why he called us to carry out a meaningful relationship with God. Just make sure you don't use that liberty as an occasion to flesh. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let's bow down our heads. I don't know what kind of a son you are. Are you the son that is running away? The wasted disinvestment and you want to come back. I want you to just go before God and say, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm running back to you. Are you the elder brother? You just, you're angry, you're bitter, you're unhappy because you just think things have not gone your way. I want you to repent today. And let's, let's, let's say, Lord, we want to be the third son. We want to be like Jesus. You want to be that son that is so intimate, driven by love and adoration, with absolute awe and reference to you in the way we live our lives. Father, thank you. Help us today. Holy Spirit, teach us to truly, truly, truly love God understand his love, and to truly respond to him in worship, reverence, and in awe. Thank you because you have answered our prayer. We give you all glory. In Jesus' name.